0: Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always, in studio by my good friends, my partner in radio, Barnabas Piper, Pipe We Are Without Ronald again. Uh this is feeling like a like kind of like a routine because Ronald is doing what Ronald does best, which is retreating, getting away, recharging. Um, I I had an old car once, Pipe, a classic car. It was a it was a 74 Triumph Spitfire. So an old like British convertible. And the thing about that car was it
1: didn't work. Is that is that when you fell in love with all things British?
0: Yeah, dude, kind of. I just I just love the lines on the car and I loved it had like a like a wood grain dashboard, a push button starter. Everything was real like analog and old school. So it was kind of easy to work on. But that car only worked about half the time. But when it worked, it was great. You know what I mean? And I, I, kind of, I kind of view Ronald in the same way. Ronald's kind of on a two weeks on, two weeks off sort of schedule, I think, with his life and with the Happy Rant. And uh, when he's working, he, he's great, but he just doesn't work a lot. So kind of, <laughs> kind of like that old convertible of mine,
1: you know? Yeah, it's, you know, there's i I'm trying to think of an athlete who he would be the equivalent to, you know, sort of a, uh, mm-hmm. like the this, this star player you get, but you're like, he's like only going to be Leonard, available half of. the
0: time. But when he, yeah, he's
1: he's like the he's the Kawhi Leonard of this program. Where like yeah. when you, if you if you properly load manage,
0: yeah, dude, load Ronnie, management is he's, huge with Ronald. You know, he's
1: uh, he's a vital contributor, possibly a star player. Yeah. You know, can lead you to, to to high heights, but don't expect him to play all eighty two games. That's like the, save him for the playoffs. Yeah, put him in at the right moments. Just let him sit out some games. There's uh, kind
0: of a Boogie Cousins quality to Ronald. Um, You know, he's a little less cantankerous. A little, yeah, yeah, a little, definitely less cantankerous. And I I think the rest, you know, factors into that. He's he's the most well rested guy we know for sure, and uh, maybe that
1: maybe that's what helps keep him good natured. Uh, But at any rate, yeah, that's what's probably too. So I have one one other quick thing. So right now, uh, Ronnie is is vacationing with his wife. Of course, he
0: uh, is. He's worked for two weeks. (laughs) <laughs> he's, you know gotta get away two weeks
1: on two weeks off yeah. yeah but his vacation has a has a hashtag assigned to it oh of course it does yeah dude so i, I don't the, know it's the it's the ronnie and missy road trip Jesus, uh Jesus. hashtag and you can go see all sorts of quaint pictures of maine and of baked goods and lobsters and coffee and he uses phrases like ye old diner and Jesus. things like that so he's he's all the way on brand. Dude, you know what's funny?
0: Like Ronald, if I didn't love Ronald, he would be so easy for me to hate. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he would be so like just eminently hateable except that I know him and I and I do love him. So, it's it's probably good. This this is like exhibit A of why you need to know somebody beyond their like internet persona. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that's that's really Although I
1: feel like if people pay attention to my internet persona it's it's fairly accurate that's good though see i think that's like, that's kind of the wheelhouse you want to be in that's i mean that's what i'm going for yeah. but it's definitely a uh a blend of like snark which is fairly accurate yeah and and sincerity, you know, and hopefully some thoughtfulness thrown in. Yeah. And I'm uh, oh like, I hope that's me in a nutshell. Yeah. Whereas like Ronnie's internet persona is only one side of him. It's, yeah. not, it's not false. Right. It's just, it's just only, incomplete. It's only one side of him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And your internet persona is zero sides of you. So, uh, which is, I guess... It's neither accurate nor inaccurate. You get a you get an incomplete.
0: Good question. Does this show count as part of my internet persona, though? I I feel like it does, in the sense that like we're you know we're putting this out via the internet and people can download it and listen and.
1: Yeah, I feel like podcasts are, but they're like internet plus because there's tone of voice. There's you know if if you read a transcript of this, we would probably sound much more like a-holes than we actually are. Yeah, maybe. Whereas if you listen, yeah. you have to have like zero sense of humor to not get that we are not taking much seriously. That's true, man. That's true.
0: Yeah, well said, Pipe. Well, Piper, we did a unique thing in that last night, yesterday evening sometime, you opened uh, our social media following up to questions, like a Q&A, like an ask us anything sort of uh, motif. And the responses came pouring in We got an unbelievable response to that. Uh, So we're going to kind of break these up into two episodes, but we're going to work our way through some of these questions, which I'm excited about. But before we do that, dude, I got a question, like a media question to ask you. uh, Because I found a new show. I'm on a new show that's actually an old show. Uh And I love it, dude. I absolutely love it. I can't get enough of this show. And it's, it's one that I blame your dad for this, because when it was coming out in like the late 90s or early 2000s, we were in our like... John Piper, get rid of your television phase, which lasted, like, I
1: don't know, a couple of years. And so we missed a couple of years ago. good that lasted television. That lasted about 18 years for me until I had the freedom to get my own TV. <laughs> exactly, dude. Exactly.
0: Well, we chose it for a couple of years, which, you know, I don't know what that says about us. But uh, at any rate, the show is uh, Gilmore Girls. And I want to know from you, have you watched it? Do you love it? Uh, because to me, it's like... One of the most inhabitable TV TV worlds ever created. It's uh, it's
1: incredible. You just made all of the women in my life so thrilled with that statement. So, Lauren, who um, is now my wife, uh, for those of you who weren't paying attention to previous episodes, I recently got married, and then my daughters all love that show, and uh, Lor- Lauren has it memorized. Yeah. Like, just it's like the, it's sort of the, you know, some people play music in the background. Yeah. yeah she yeah, plays yeah. the Gilmore girls in the background, like while brushing her teeth in the morning and stuff like that. So, uh, fascinating. It's, dude. It's just I don't sort blame of her at all. Woven. Yeah. Just like woven into her life. I don't like it at all. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. Let's, let's go a couple minutes on this. I want to know why. So, there are things, there are shows that I dislike because I, because I think they're trash. Okay. Uh, this is not one of those. Mm-hmm. It's a show that I watch and I'm like this is for other people. Sure. And it's just not for me. Uh-huh. The the machine gun banter yeah gives me a headache. Yeah. yeah. And uh and and Rory Gilmore has like a top 5 most annoying voice on television. Oh,
0: fascinating, dude. See, I- so it's
1: it's a st- that's that's just a that's like a just a hang up that I have. Then the style of it is I'm I'm just like yeah this is the style for somebody else. Yeah. I don't like this style of TV at all. I, get I it, it's I get it. The, it's too much. Yeah, the machine gun
0: banter is terrible. It's way too on the nose. Um it's very kind of 90s TV. Um you know, everything's too clever by half. I I don't know. I I think I'm really connecting with the setting. I do like the characters. I do like the dynamic between you know Rory like young Rory who's very innocent and her mother who's very worldly but you know they're they're trying to have this relationship and I can relate to this I guess as a father where like I'm really now that I have teenage boys I'm really enjoying being their friend but I still have to be their father you know what I mean and I think that's the that's the tension for uh the mom on the Gilmore girls I love
1: the guy oh, and- who and she became a Mike. The part of the premise is that like she's she was a teenage mom who's yeah. now so there's that like there's a closeness in age that confuses or yeah. makes that that tension you just described more uh more pronounced. Absolutely.
0: So, this is this is my theory about the show vis a vis uh like the world that they create. I feel like it's cheers for women. Um, this show definitely wasn't written with men in mind, um, but. But nevertheless, like the same things that do it for me about Cheers also do it for me with with this show Um
1: in terms of like is, people that you want to be. Is Cheers around. gender kind of more gender specific? Uh, n- no. I mean, I feel like it kind of had to be because it was like in the 80s, which means that women didn't have say in anything. But uh- yeah, Cheers is
0: more. I mean, it has more male characters for sure. Yeah. But, you know, but I had a few really strong female characters. Um, but I, I think, yeah, they definitely hold their own. They they definitely hold their own. But I think like at the end of the day, it was probably more a show for dudes uh, where this yeah. is probably more a show for women. But like, it's really pleasant, man. Really, really pleasant. It's got early career Melissa McCarthy, who's amazing. Um, I always wish that she got more minutes in more eps. like she's like the it, it, it's kind of like if you watch the Clippers and like Lou Williams is coming off the bench, just like you know, going bananas, <laughs> torching somebody, just torching somebody. And you're like, why isn't, why isn't he getting more minutes? It's kind of
1: the same with Melissa McCarthy on, uh, on Gilmore girls. But I feel like, I feel like it's a little, it's almost like James Harden when he was on the thunder where you're like, he's, he's better than Russell Westbrook yeah. or as good. And yeah. yet he was like the sixth man on that team or whatever. And she's, she's by far yes. the best. Oh, totally. Dude. The best performer in that show. And, uh, and don't be deceived by, like, the dumb comedy she's done since. Yeah. She's done some good movies. But, like, yeah. as a as an actor, she's pretty brilliant. She's very brilliant, very funny. But, yeah, if you had watched the show in
0: 2000 when it dropped, nobody would be like, I, I bet she's going to have the best career. You know what I mean? Just because she was yeah. – she got so few minutes – um, but created, she created,
1: uh, I don't, what is the name of the lady who plays Lorelei? It's Lauren something. Right? I have Isn't absolutely uh, no idea. Yeah. Anyway, she went on to star in, uh, what, what was the other show about? There's another big like feely family show. Is it, was it parenthood? Yeah, or, dude, uh, I, I
0: kind of steer clear of those shows, man. I really do. Cause I
1: feel yeah. Like it's, it's good. another one of those like emotionally manipulative. Yeah. Create scenarios that you fall in love with characters and then we're going to rip your heart. Somebody's going to get in a car wreck and die. Yeah. In those shows is what I, it's my feeling. And about. she, you know, she. So she have she's had like a fifteen year run, yeah, of that kind of show, of like critically acclaimed and like cult following mm-hmm. TV shows. I mean, which and and that have had pretty massive following. Yeah. So good for her. Dude, That's solid a career. Solid I would career. take that. You know, I would I
0: would take that. You know, a thousand times over as a career. So tip of the cap to Gilmore Girls. Apologies that it's taken me twenty years to get on board with the show, but.
1: Uh, but I'm loving it, man. Really, really loving if, it. I I will guarantee that if you had had daughters, it would not have taken you this long because it is. Yeah. It seems to be sort of woven into the fabric of the of like the female entertainment mind that this is a thing that everybody has at least one friend who adores this show, so they get yeah. introduced to it. Like it's just yeah. it's just a given.
0: That's fascinating, and I can totally see it. I can totally see why. So, um, yeah, great job to that show. Um, it's making my pandemic uh, a little bit less depressing. So, uh, also also not depressing, Pipe, the number of questions that we got on this uh, this Ask oh. Me Anything. So, let's
1: overwhelmingly
0: amazing. Let's enjoy our cup of Redbud City coffee roasters, uh, redbudcoffee.com, uh, in our happy rant at checkout. You get a little discount. Um, lots of blends, lots of single origins, lots of other coffee I'm drinking... Terms. I think it's a Kenyan one right now as we speak. Solid, dude. It's Solid. delicious. It's great to be in the coffee business, Piper. It's good to be Coffee mm-hmm. Moguls. Uh, partnered with Red Butt City Coffee Roasters. So, Pipe, kick us off, man. You've got the the keys to the kingdom social media-wise. Yes. Um, guide us through these questions. I'm sure they're not all amazing.
1: Um, but I bet we got some some bangers, some amazing ones. So guide us through it. Yes. So for the listeners, here's what we intend to do. Uh A little caveat. Y'all sent so many questions. We can't get through them all. So uh, I'm going to pick and choose. And don't be slighted if yours is not selected. Also, if it was a sports-related question, uh, we're going to do those in a different episode so that it's like a it's just sports themed so we're gonna save the rest of you from that. And then that way we can give those the attention they deserve. because um, the second question we received is a great sports question that <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna even read right now. Oh man. Because it'll le- it'll lead off that next episode. That's a so teaser. we'll uh, we'll do that. Yes. I feel teased so by that. So I can't wait. Good. Radio radio professionalism right there. That's right. All right. Um First question came, comes from uh, Caleb Berg. He was the first responder on this, I believe. And it said, did either of you read the Left Behind series? Dude, shout out to the first responders, man. He's the real hero. you know. Yeah, real hero of Twitter. Way Absolutely. to go, Caleb. First responder to this Twitter poll. <laughs> Dude. Did we
0: read the Left Behind series? <laughs> I'm ashamed to say that, yes, I did read the Left Behind series, but
1: I have to give some context to that. Uh, I was living... Can- Can I can I uh, jump in with a it was a follow up comment that says, well, Caleb, did you know that Ted (laughs) wrote a uh, an end times satirical book? And then there was a whole conversation where people's minds were blown by this. Yeah, dude, I did. Sorry. I I just needed to give that context, which I thought was wonderful.
0: Yeah, I want to I want to talk a little bit about that because it'll be a seamless promo to that book. But uh, so like 20 years ago, again, like right around when Gilmore Girls was dropping in real time. Uh, we had graduated from college. We were spending a year on the mission field in Lithuania. And there was very little American media to have access to because this was kind of before the Internet or like right at the beginning of the Internet. And there wasn't a lot a lot of options there for us. So um, the people that we were kind of staying with, they had every book in the Left Behind series. And because there was little else to read in English, uh, I read them. Uh, even then, even even in my like infancy as a reader and a writer, I knew that they were hot garbage, and I knew that one day, <laughs> I knew that one day I would write a satirical in times novel of my own uh, called Re Raptured. So we we actually as a company Gut Check Press, uh, we just put out these two. it's kind of a two part series. So we have Re Raptured and Re Raptured Again. Um, we we just released one huge omnibus with both parts in it. And uh, these these are hilarious. And they work as a novel. So it kind of works as like
1: the great American novel and as a rapture satire. Very proud of it. Did you know that you would stay in a penthouse apartment funded by those books while you were being wined and dined by Moody Publishers? <laughs> I had no idea. But when I walked
0: into Jerry Jenkins Hall and, and smelled like the borscht and saw the huge like self-congratulatory mural of Jerry Jenkins, that's when it like clicked for me that it was all, it was all coming together. You know, everything was connected Piper and it it was a beautiful thing. Now, have you, have you read the left behind novels?
1: Uh, I read a couple chapters of the first one and um, I would put it on the short list of most, unpalatable <laughs> substances to ever enter my brain space. So,
0: Dude, you know what it was I, analogous no, I to? I haven't read the rest. They were like a 90s B action movie. Like a movie that wanted to be a Jerry Bruckheimer film, but couldn't quite get there because of either budget or like, you know, casting constraints or whatever. It was like a Brian Bosworth action
1: movie from the 90s. See, uh, yeah, I I feel like action movies that are bad are usually, like there's a fun aspect to them. That's because true. Because... They're kind of so bad. They're entertaining. These were so intent on being like wonderful Christian literature, and they weren't wonderful. I'm not sure if they were Christian, and they yeah, definitely weren't literature. That's
0: true. I think they were zero for three on all those all those points, Piper. You you hit the nail on the head for sure. But what they were was incredibly lucrative for the authors.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those things. Yeah, I mean, I I say all this with a, more than a hint of jealousy. Oh, most definitely, dude. I wish. I wish there was a Cluck hall
0: on Moody's campus that that had a bunch of old Russian ladies in it. I would I would take that in a heartbeat. I'd be so proud. Yes, I would go there like I'd go there three or four times annually just to show my kids that it exists. Um, I'd be so proud. Maybe one day, dude, maybe one day.
1: All right, next question. Yep. Uh, there's actually a few questions in one tweet. This is from <laughs> Kevin Adelsberger, who we've we've Kevin. partnered with on this Good podcast dude, in the man. past. Good his dude. his wife has written various Bible studies and things, and we've prom- promoted those. So, longtime listener and friend of the show, Kevin. Uh, so I'm going to read two of his questions, and we we'll, we can sort these out. Uh, what book have you regretted reading in the last five years? Ooh,
0: what book have you regretted reading in the last yeah. five years? interesting dude um do you have one like hopping to mind because i'm not sure i do
1: i might need a minute on this one um, so this is tricky because uh, about five years ago is when i had the realization that you don't have to finish a book if you think it sucks <laughs> yeah that's true and so yeah, yeah. and so i stopped reading books that might lead me to regret if i just didn't like them at all so i'm trying to think if there's one that i got to the end of and was like wait that that's that's what that was? Yeah. Um, let me let me let me think on this one. I don't think I have
0: one, dude. Um yeah, because I I, I tend to only read stuff that I know is gonna be good. Or if I read a, a, a book that I know is gonna be bad, I bail right away so that I don't have I don't have like residual bitterness toward it, you know. I'm just like, yeah, I know this is gonna be bad, or I know the dog's gonna die,
1: so I'm out, you know. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I don't have a book, but mm-hmm. I I keep going back to the well on one particular author who's still not good, and I don't know why. I think he's going to be good. Uh-huh. So I tend to really enjoy just like you know, sort of your your uh, pulp fiction crime novel kinds of things. You know, the quick reads that the, the, the you get it like the airport Hudson yeah. News or whatever. Yeah. I keep trying David Baldacci's books. Okay. Yeah, I've seen that
0: name. There's, I've never read him.
1: He's written. He's written. I don't know, eighty books or yeah, something. It's yeah. he's he's just one of those like two books a year. So five less has, than Jared C. Wilson. Yes. Yeah. Five less than Jared C. Wilson wrote last quarter. <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, you know, and he has these recurring characters, and I keep trying to like them, mm-hmm. and I don't. I don't like any of them. But I I consume them all. It's it's a little bit like um, it's sort of that like. Uh, you know, the late night Wendy's feeling. Yeah. Where you're like, no, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. a great idea. And then you're done and you're <laughs> like, no, that was not a great idea. Yeah, that's the yeah. David Baldacci feeling for me. So I think that's probably the closest because it's been like 20 books in the last five years that I've tried that for and they, they're still not good. Dude, I do have one that's analogous to that. And it's um, Tom Clancy.
0: Remember when Tom Clancy novels were huge, dude? <laughs> oh, I've tried his too. Yeah, and they're 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 literally huge, and that they're like six hundred pages, if, yes. if at a bare minimum. So they're they're big, thick paperbacks. You see them everywhere. There were those like Clear and Present Danger movies that came out in like the early 2000s. Yeah, all the Jack, all the
1: Jack, all Ryan the Jack works.
0: Ryan. So, dude, I really wanted to get on this Tom Clancy thing because I think part of the part of the pathology of this Piper is you're like. If I can find an author like a David Baldacci or a Tom Clancy, there's no end to the number of novels. You know what I mean? So you never have right. to think about what you're going to read next. The novels are cheap. You can get them for like a dime at, at McKay's or whatever in Nashville. There's just no end to them. So like I tried, man. I tried really hard with Tom Clancy. But my issue with it was it was so like boringly technical and and there's an yes. example of books that were written for dudes right because it's like uh, here's Hunter. and a certain kind of dude a certain too. kind of dude it's like here's 14 pages describing like how the how the missile system how the missile
1: system works and I'm like yeah, yeah no that's not my thing dude I'm not
0: the least bit interested in this
1: see I would I would compare Tom Clancy novels to like going to a fondue restaurant <laughs> Okay. Where it's a, it's a massive commitment, and yeah. you do all the work. Oh, fascinating! Yeah, that's right. That's it's such you a know, great you, announcement. You sit you sit down with a doorstop of a book, and like it doesn't suck you in. It's like no, you're gonna work through the, right. the user's manual for the navigation system on a nuclear submarine. Exactly. Wait, wait, that's not, what I thought. I was gonna have fun, dude. Right? No, it re- co- it reads like a textbook,
0: here. or it reads yes. like a like a user's manual for some like piece of electronics
1: that you bought for sure. I love it, dude. All right. Next question from Kevin, because this one, this one might be quick, but uh, it's rank these franchises from best to worst. And these are not sports franchises. These are, these are storytelling franchises. So best to worst, Harry Potter, Marvel, Uh, Star Wars, and Lord of the Rings. Okay.
0: I can't do this because I have no interest in any of those. Like the, the one that I would That's have kind of why I asked this question. Yeah. The one that I would have like the tiniest crackle of interest in would be Marvel, but only because I've seen a couple of the Iron Man movies. Um, yeah. So yeah, I can't, I can't do I, it.
1: Okay. So I'm going to remove Lord of the Rings from the running entirely because okay. it's not a franchise. Okay. Uh, it was a trilogy of movies that was based on a classic work of literature. Like the, go. and the books are just a whole other thing. Yeah. Um. So we're, we're removing that. Um, and then I, I think I would rank it in the order that he wrote them, Harry Potter, Marvel, and Star Wars. And I realize there are Star Wars fans who will be offended by that. Yeah. But uh, I'm not moved by the nostalgia of Star Wars okay. because I wasn't alive in 1977 or whatever when they came out. Yeah. Um. And then there have just like half of those movies have just abjectly sucked. Yes. So, yeah. So um, Harry Potter, awesome. Marvel... Marvel's amazing because of the scope of their storytelling. Like, they've woven together, like, 40 movies now into a universe. And even if they've been a little spotty at points, it's pretty remarkable. Um, And then, yeah, Star Wars is behind those, in my mind. So
0: which of those franchises, just a little follow-up question, which of those franchises has the most sensitive fan base, the most likely to get offended?
1: Well, Lord of the Rings, but I removed them with uh, with a hat tip to classic literature. Yeah, dude, the... Um, the The fan base of our podcast is going to be thrilled with you for having done that. Yeah. I think I just earned some serious reform white dude credit. Which is good because I didn't have enough. Um, Exactly. And uh, yeah, I I think Star Wars fans for sure. Yeah. They seem very Um, sensitive. I don't think Harry Potter fans. Harry Potter fans just seem to really like fun stories. Uh They're just like, these are the most fun. I read these when I was growing up and the movies were great. It's just a lot more like positive funness. And then Marvel probably has sensitive fans, but like if you're a deep fan, you're just a super nerd. Yeah. Whereas most people are like, I like Captain America. That was fun. Thor knocks things around with a hammer. That was fun. So yeah. All I right. Next question. Yeah. Um. So this is, there's, there's some context to this one. This comes from Trevor Hogg. And I thought this was a fun, creative question <laughs> that is right up our alley. Okay, man. Uh, did either of you read newspaper comic strips growing up? If so, which ones? and then he'd love to hear how we'd reboot that comic today for a 2020 audience. Well, you,
0: you can't do any humor for a 2020 audience. So I, I think if you did a comic for today, for 2020, it would have to be... Uh, well, it would have to be one of the two extremes, right? It would have to be either insufferably woke, and in doing so would be uh, un- unpleasant and not fun, or it would have to be like... Far right, so I, I I don't know.
1: I don't think you could do it. Um, I think I think in in writing you could potentially. Okay, if you did it as satire. So say you you wrote one that was insufferably woke. Yeah, but was actually making fun of the insufferably woke crowd. Ah, uh, okay. So it's okay. it's so it is it's so woke or it's woke about the wrong things or whatever, uh. so that it's so that the people who are not clued in are like, see, they're preaching our message and everybody else realizes, no, they're mocking your oh, message yeah, that and your could identity. That so I think, work. I think that could work. Did you read comics growing up? Because I didn't, I only read one thing growing oh. up and that was sports illustrated. That was it. So I, uh, yeah, we got the Minneapolis Star Tribune delivered to our door mm. every day growing up. And yeah, I would go grab it and I would pull out the variety section yeah. because that's where the, the two-page spread of comics was. Nice. Uh, and then the sports section. And I would read the comics first because they go quick. Yep. And then, uh, then I would spend my time with the sports section. That, that deserved my attention more so. Um, I mean, the, the, the easiest answer to this is Calvin and Hobbes because uh, it's the greatest newspaper comic strip. Dude, that was uh, such a good comic. So my kid, Tristan, got into those. And it was, doesn't need to be rebooted. Right. It just needs to be introduced to the current generation because yeah. Bill Watterson was a genius.
0: He was a genius. Sorry, dude, my, fo- my phone just made a weird noise.
1: Oh, no, that's all right. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, Bill Watterson was a genius, dude. My kid got into those when he was young and it was kind of like... It was kind of his first entree into reading, and we were really excited because it's like, oh, he want he wants to read these, you know. And he would like sit in his room and read them and laugh, and it was a great, you know, a great experience for him. And they were they were really clever. Like he would read them to us, and and we were just like, oh man, this is clever. So uh, yeah
1: my my younger daughter did not enjoy reading like standard books. Yeah, um, but discovered a couple Calvin and Hobbes books on my shelf, and I would just. So, this is probably what she was, you know, she's probably first or second grade. So she could read. She doesn't like to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, but I'd go into her room and find her lying on her bed, like chuckling to herself over the shenanigans of Calvin and Hobbes. Nice. And, and the best thing about it is like they make an eight year old laugh and then you yeah. read them. And I'm like, these are, these are smarter yeah. than the average adult. Dude, that's like, the they're, best they're kind of writing really, for really kids, brilliant. isn't it? Yes. I
0: mean, the kind that like the kid can enjoy it, but the parent who's reading it to the kid can, like also thoroughly enjoy it. That's the that's the target. You know, that's what you're shooting for when you write for
1: kids for sure. Yeah. I thought that was a fun one just because I I have fond memories of reading comic strips. Uh all right, let's see. I'll let you pick which of these you want to answer and we'll go with it because they're they're both from the same guy, okay. Kenneth Gabbert, okay. also a long-time listener. He's been he's interacted with us many times on on social media. So, two different questions. One was if you if you two could start a real company, not ill-fit jeans, what would it be? So, if mm. we we're going to start a company, what would it be? Mm-hmm. Or the other option is name five movies you can't live without. Oh, fascinating. That's from his wife Megan. So, shout out to Megan as well.
0: Dude, I'm going to answer Megan's question because I I And this is maybe like a bigger, a bigger deal and a longer topic, but dude, I just don't think I have the like, start the business gear. Like all my friends down here are like slumlords. You know what I mean? Like a a Christian, a Christian who like reaches a certain level of affluence, they all want to become slumlords and have like properties and in the whole deal. And I'm just like, man, I could never see myself doing that. But they all rake, dude. They all just make like, you know, they're falling like backside over tea kettle into like stacks of money, which has not been my experience. So yeah, I don't know (laughs) if I started a business, it would probably fail. And, um, I don't know. That's depressing. So five movies I can't live without. Um, let's, let's do that. Uh, but I want to hear you on the business thing or the movie thing. If you, if you have thoughts on, on those. So I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to go with like directors that I like. So I'm going to pick one Wes Anderson, one Cameron Crowe, um, and then some other ones. So my Wes Anderson would be the life aquatic, um, starring Bill Murray. It's a great movie. Very funny. It's kind of about like somebody a little bit older than us. Who's just kind of past it. Uh, I love that. So life aquatic would be in there. Uh, Cameron Crowe wise, it's going to be close between Elizabethtown and Jerry Maguire, but I'm gi- I'm giving the nod to Jerry Maguire because it has football in it. So, Uh, jerry mcguire is on there life aquatic is on there die hard is on the top five list because it functions as both my favorite action movie of all time and my favorite christmas movie of all time so it's just real versatile in that way so Mm -hmm. uh die hard's on there that's three uh man this is it's it's hard to do like top five movies you can't live without um what else dude I feel like I need a dumb comedy on there. Just like a fun throw it in whenever you need that kind of a comedy. I'm gonna go with either yeah. like Tommy Boy or Step Brothers. Um okay. my, yep. my boys yep. love step brothers. So maybe <laughs> <laughs> and I love watching it with them. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put Step Brothers on there. Um man, I know I'm leaving some great ones out. <sighs> maybe Friday Night Lights. Or Hoosiers, no Hoosiers, dude. Hoosiers because it's sports and it's Indiana nostalgia, um, and it always it always like gets me. So Hoosiers is on there. I think that's not like I'm gonna look at my movies after this is over, and I'm gonna realize that's not the list
1: that I want. But it's it's pretty solid, I think. Uh, let me yeah, hear yours. And part. it it's also it's also gives a fair representation of uh, of Ted as a person in terms of the the range of of types of movies there so i exactly as a as a rough draft it's a strong start yeah no i appreciate it so on the biz on the business side i yeah i'm not a starter mm-hmm. i don't uh i don't have it i don't have it in me now if if i could just like if 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 i was sort of granted the the means to start a business you know yeah. just sort of like you have the time the money we're gonna somebody's gonna fund this thing right uh, i think it would be like a podcast network oh i like it dude um now, the problem with that is that I don't like most podcasts. Yeah. And so I would have to be, I, but it's my business. So I can yeah. just be like, no, I'm not doing your dumb podcast. I'm going to do only the ones that I like. Um, I've always loved the idea of being like a pub owner. Okay. I love that idea too. Keep going. But only the idea because the yeah. actual work of it is terrible. Yes, absolutely. Um, so it's, you know, one, one of those... Yeah, and and also neither of those are very good at making money. So mm-hmm. um, this is why I don't start businesses. Yeah,
0: dude. So okay, after after just minutes ago admitting to you that I'm the world's worst businessman, hypothetically, what would keep us from starting a podcast network? You know what I mean? Work um, the 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 work, the risk. <laughs> yeah, the, like the inherent risk of what? Okay, so what's great about the Happy Rant is that you know you and I can always. I, I think we can always keep a pretty tight governor on what we're saying, and we we understand, uh, like we can manage ourselves, right? But with a podcast network, you know, let's say we have five to ten podcasts under our like stable or whatever. Somebody says something like uh, inappropriate or to get them canceled on a podcast that that we're not on, then we have to deal with the fallout, right? Which would not be fun,
1: right? And, I mean, we've turned down invitations to be part of other podcast networks or collaborations because because it would require giving up creative control. Right. And, I mean, if there's anything that you and I value, it's the freedom to go, no, that's not the way I want to do it. Absolutely. And uh, and I think Ronnie does as well. Like, there's a reason why he did the kind of music that he did, which Mm is just like, he's like, this is what I like and I'm going to do it.
0: Uh, Dude, if we joined a podcast network, the network might make him be on the show more than – you know, one and a half times per
1: month. So. Yeah, it would be like written in, you must show up for two-thirds of the shows, and then we'd lose Ronnie completely. No more so. vacation hashtags for you, Ronald. You
0: know, yeah. Chop, chop. Ronnie
1: and Missy not on the podcast. Um, <laughs> all right, so top five movies. Uh, the Sandlot would be on there. there. Um, I think The Prince's Bride would be on there. Dude, that's a great one. So what? Purely awesome. because, I yeah, I don't know of too many other movies that... That are as rewatchable, mm-hmm. um, and and also the older and more aware of just writing and creativity that I've gotten, the more I realize that William Goldman uh, was brilliant. Yeah, he was a beast. Um, let's see. So that leaves me three more. I think I would also go with. The, I would need one just sort of dumb comedy, and it yeah. has to be Tommy Boy. Oh, dude, that uh, was. There, that there was are a lot of great me. ones, but. Yeah, yeah. To, I mean, you you threw it out there as one of your possibilities. So, mm-hmm. uh, Tommy Boy would be mine. Um, man, I feel like there needs to be one great war movie on there. Oh yeah. Because again, reformed white guy. <laughs> exactly. Um, what would be the war movie? Dude, that's a great question. What would be the war movie? The thing is, I I love war movies, but I don't watch most of them more than once. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm the same way. It's hard to like be um, in the mood for a war movie. You know? Yeah, I'd like to watch people get blown up on repeat. Mm-hmm. Um I'll have to come back to that one. Yeah. Uh and then probably a heist movie. Um oh, I-, I love heist movies. So yeah. maybe like like The Great Train Robbery or something, like the one mm-hmm. with Donald Sutherland. Um which is probably not my actual choice, but it's the one that came to mind. I love a really good heist movie. So Nice, dude. Um but then again I feel bad because no like no Quentin Tarantino movies made the list. Oh, his yeah. good movies are so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally forgot maybe about Tarantino. Maybe I would put maybe I would put Tarantino's like uh maybe like Django Unchained on there, because that's my favorite of his Dude, instead of a, war movie. Yeah. War, kind of a war movie. Because war movies genre I love. Yeah. 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 It um, is kind of. You're right. You could go with Inglorious Bastards from
0: Tarantino, which which is both a Tarantino movie and kind of a war movie. Kind of a war movie, yeah. I
1: it yeah and it has some amazing performances in it too totally dude i, I
0: forgot All one right. i gotta add moneyball to my list so okay something is is gonna have to hit the cutting room floor to make room for moneyball uh that's a big rewatcher with me and my boys too so maybe we maybe we cut step brothers and, and slide moneyball in there i would feel i would feel good about that
1: yeah that's that's a good one i yeah i feel bad because they're there i mean there's with five, you leave a ton of good movies. you do out you so do. it's it's hard all right, next question, and this is timely, given the recent announcement that Joe Biden has selected a, a, <laughs> a vice presidential candidate. you uh-huh. knew that I'm not sure because you don't pay any attention to politics yeah, I did. the I question doesn't it. have anything to do with Joe Biden Thank which God, is good because we yeah. wouldn't answer it That's um, It says who would we pick for our oh. vice presidential running mates so oh, fascinating if if we were running for president, who would we pick as a vice presidential? running mate is that amongst
0: like famous people or real
1: people or does it matter I don't know yeah I think we it just says who would we pick so that came from Stephanie Hedden okay uh so Stephanie has uh gotten our gears turning and has stumped us I think but really good question that is a good one Um, does
0: anybody like spring to mind for you
1: yeah I mean it I real people spring to mind, but mm-hmm. I don't know that they would be any fun to talk about on the podcast because yeah. people would be like, who's Steve? Right, or right. Um, oh, wait, I couldn't pick Steve. Steve's a white male. Um, yeah, no, can't, can't so. pick Steve. So let, let's
0: just take, let's make it more interesting. Let's take all white males off the table. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Yeah. We're living in a post white um, male world.
1: So they're, they're yes. all,
0: they're all gone.
1: Um, let's see. I think if I wanted to win an election, uh-huh. it would have to be somebody like Michelle Obama. Okay. You know, but there's no way she would do it because if she was ever going to run for office, she would just like go be president. Um, yeah, that's boy. It's, any, any thoughts for you? Dude. Okay. So
0: I'm going to, I'm going to out myself here in a way that I've, I've never have before in the program in that, uh, I skew conservative politically. So, there you go. Uh, people are people are fleeing the program like rats off a ship at this point. Um, I heard and I can't verify this. Um, I heard Adam Sandler is conservative politically and uh, I feel like if that's true I it, now he is a white male. So that's that's problematic. He's, but he's
1: but he's Jewish, right? He's Jewish. So I feel like I could so sneak, does that does that change I don't does that know. change I think the, I could sneak him rules? onto the
0: ticket with me. You know, okay. a a Jewish guy and a and a man of Germanic descent on the same on the same platform, I feel like would be a banger. Yeah, that would be it's great, very so, unifying. Yeah, unifying. That's right, man. Let the healing begin. So, Cluck Sandler for president. Um, I'm 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 voting for that.
1: Uh, that's my pick. Yeah, I think I would need somebody who is. Um... They either need to be either need to be the total opposite of me personality wise or be in total lockstep. And I think lockstep would be more fun Yeah. in terms of, you know, just shooting down dumb ideas, not yeah. taking crap, not, you know, just not sort of doing the political pandering thing. So let's see. I'm not even thinking about political leaning as much as I am like a sense of humor and general sensibilities. And I think I would go with like Stephen Colbert. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Granted, he's a very white male. Like he's other than Conan O'Brien, he's the whitest male. Yeah, but I feel like he gets
0: away with being a white male by being like super liberal above it all. Yeah. Above it all slash super liberal. I feel like the only way you can really get away with being a white male nowadays is to be gay or British. Um, but in lieu of both of those things, he, he, he pulls it off despite being neither gay nor British.
1: So, and being an outspoken Catholic, like a committed yeah, Catholic, which a, is, I guess that kind thing, I guess that kind of makes you a, a version of minority these days. Cause how many committed Catholics do we know?
0: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, he's, he's managed to like, and this is masterful, like marketing and audience work. Um, he's gotten it done despite being a white male who's middle-aged. So, uh, shout out Stephen Colbert. Good work.
1: All right. Next question. Uh, How did the pandemic wedding go? That was from (laughs) Scott. Uh, Scott, listen to our last episode. I gave a breakdown of the celebrity pandemic wedding. Yeah, Um, it was great. It was all there. Mm -hmm. So that will have released by the time you listen to this. Yep. Uh, Let's see. Okay, so I don't know anything about this, sh- this uh, particular phenomenon, but you might, okay. and if not, we can wing it. So okay. Micah Perstrope, be Micah somebody, yeah. uh, asked, if you were Hamilton, that's the thing <laughs> I don't know anything about, who would be your burr, which is, and then he gives an explanation, which is very helpful, your arch nemesis uh-huh. or person who kills you in a duel. Oh, fascinating. Um,
0: Piper, I think you and I are the last people on Earth to have not seen Hamilton, and in my case, to have no interest in doing so. Like, it's just not—it's not a thing that I see myself doing. Like, I don't like musicals. Uh, I don't know. I don't care about like that aspect of history that much, which makes me a horrible person. Um, I don't know, but I've have, I've have, I've have plenty of nemesis. In fact, I pick
1: one every school year. Um, I pick a nemesis on campus. Um, but I, don't, I like that you pick one. It doesn't just sort of organically develop. You're like, no, this is the person I'm going to yeah, hit this year. But here's, here's the arc of it though. Like rather than killing me with a
0: sword, the way my nemesis work always goes is that we always end up having coffee around like February and I'm like, oh, this guy's really cool. So, you know, I always, I always bury the hatchet with my nemesis pretty quickly. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, again, mine are like. They're probably like real people, so nobody would nobody would really care about it. And I also feel yeah, like I'm and what I'm moving into a post nemesis phase of my life, where I'm I'm really not doing the nemesis thing too much anymore, which
1: feels good. Yeah, I think the the nemesis thing also requires a like. There are people who I just don't like. Yeah, but I don't think that's a nemesis. That's just yeah. an enemy. Dude, so this has to be somebody who you, you had an affinity with and then they've gone somewhere else and you're like, nope, now we must kill each other. Yeah, let's add some shape to the
0: nemesis thing because I think it, it also involves... Like a nemesis can't just be somebody you dislike. It has to be somebody who's enough like you that they're doing things that you see yourself doing. They're just doing them at like a higher level or a different level. So there has to be some jealousy inherent in like nemesis yeah. because like, so for me... In semesters past, when I would pick a nemesis, it was always somebody who I perceived as, like, cooler than me, or they were going to be more popular with the students than me. Um, you know, so it was somebody who had posed a threat. You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, as yes. opposed to just, like, somebody who you disliked. Um, that being said, I can't really think of anybody for right now. And we really haven't started school yet. And we haven't been in real school since, like, February. So, you know, it's not... I'm I'm not I, I'm not feeling real sharp like nemesis wise, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I think for me it would have to be somebody who kind of comes from the same sort of conservative evangelical reformed world but has mm-hmm. moved towards being ultra cool or like social media influencer. Yeah. In in sort of a a, a version of this thing that I just eschew and abhor. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. but sort of but they still sort of claim mm-hmm. the same ethos as I do yeah which makes me resentful Uh and I'm struggling to come up with any particular person so for you it would Uh, be
0: like if Tim Keller had a kid and he was trying to do the same stuff as you um and and for me if it would be like I don't know if there was some middle-aged like Christian dude who used to write about sports who was I you know what I mean somebody who's like trying to do your thing um, yeah, I, I feel like I, I have nemesis feelings for almost anybody who is like trying to be an influencer. You know what I mean? Which I think is a category <laughs> that it yeah. exists now, and it, it not only does it exist, people have no shame about it. Like, yeah, hey,
1: I'm I'm doing the influencer thing. You know. And, uh, I think I think the other the other version of nemesis is like the person from the same theological camp who's no fun and has no sense of humor. Yeah, and is kind of like they're they're the public voice. Like they're they're always like, a, here's how we should think about. Yeah. So I think I basically just said the Gospel Coalition is my nemesis. But um, but yeah, that that sort of version, except not older than me. You know, if they're yeah, fifty five yeah. and up doing that, I'm like, yeah, that's okay, whatever. Exactly. But if they're like. 35 to 45 and they're yeah, doing like that in stuff, your age like,
0: wheelhouse
1: yeah yeah stop stop trying to be mm-hmm. you know kevin DeYoung or whatever although i don't know how old he is uh he's about he's our probably age. younger than, yeah he's like he's my probably younger than i think yeah yeah <laughs> he's like exactly 40, you think of him as 60, going on but he's actually just yeah.
0: like 42 yeah that's funny man
1: yeah no but that's I, good in, in terms of Nemesis, I think it has to be the social media influencer. The other crowd I just sort of shrug at and I'm like, yeah, I've come to, ex- you know, accept that. But.
0: Dude, I feel like for me, leadership douche oh. could be – that. Could I could very easily go there Nemesis-wise or –
1: See, I put them in the camp of just people I don't like.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> they're true. Just, they're just like – they're just enemies. That's true. That's true. You know what I realized, dude, and this is this is semi but not entirely related. I feel like I'm a – I'm a launch pad for friendships like fame wise so what happens is people people are friends with me first, and then like we do a project or two together, and then they realize they can access like a higher grade of like you know like the next tier of famousness and then and then they like they upgrade um and that sounds like self pitying and self loathing it really isn't it's more of just like a funny observation, you know what I mean I'm like the starter i'm the I'm the starter kind of famous evangelical friend. And then they, and then they upgrade. Um, I don't know. That's, that's not nemesis territory though. It's just more of an observation.
1: Yeah, that, no, that makes sense. And their their whole publishing companies like that. Like they, they're the discovering publishing house, but they never like keep the big authors. Yeah. So they, sure. you know, they start with this publishing house, they publish first and then it's like, Oh, now they're off to Thomas Nelson to go get paid a lot more money. Yeah. Um, they sign with the Yankees, you know, the, yes the
0: yankees yeah, of christian they, publishing
1: they were they were on the rangers farm team and then they went to the yankees <laughs> exactly um all right uh becky wilson yeah. that is jared c's wife would like to know how is ted's book blurb coming along for jared c and she says they expect nothing less than artful prose so any updates on the uh, on the book blurb yeah well i've read four and a half pages uh, oh, you're near you're nearing the 6 that is the limit.
0: Exactly. I'm probably not going to read any more. I might read another page and a half between now and when the blurb is due. And uh they're going to get a blurb. Here's how it's going to go, right? They're going to and this this is In Middle Age Piper How I Keep Myself From Getting Bored. Um in the span of like a four a four-line blurb, I want it to both I want it to work as a blurb also, I want it to work as like an in-joke for people who know the backstory of like me and at Jared C. Wilson. So it's going to work as a blurb. It's going to work as an in-joke. And it's also going to be clear to the Wilsons that like I really haven't read the book. Um,
1: so <laughs> Especially if it, after saying so on this podcast eight times.
0: <laughs> yeah, if it checks all three of those boxes <laughs> and still works as a blurb, then I'll feel, like, I'll feel good about it. You know what I mean? And here's how it's going to go. I'm going to spend... Even though I haven't read the book, I'm going to spend an inordinate amount of time getting it to work on those three levels. Um, So that's the update. Um, I hope they like it. I wonder, Piper, like who... What's the range? What's the floor and the ceiling of like... (laughs) What's the floor and the ceiling of the caliber of person that he's going to get to blurb this book? You know what I mean? Like who's going to be top of the mountain and who's going to be at the bottom? I feel like I'm going to be at the bottom.
1: I Uh, really hope there's a Jerry Jenkins blurb on there. Does at
0: your sea have access to at jerry jenkins is that is that know, a thing but i mean
1: it's possible it is possible i mean it's very possible. i just I, i'm just trying to think of like christian novelists yeah and yes you could hear the scare quotes around around a Dude, how many but, christian uh, novelists really are there you know what i mean i'm sure there's way more than we know of but you mean outside of like amish romance yeah
0: could he Jeanette pull? Jeanette Oak like, is
1: offended by your question. Yeah, dude. Um, could he pull like a Jeanette Oak or a Karen Kingsbury to throw a blurb on there? Because
0: if so, that would be a big deal, dude.
1: I have a question. Are Jeanette Oak and Karen Kingsbury real people, or is it like the people who wrote the Hardy Boys where it was like. Jeanette, was Oak, like, and,
0: <laughs> Jeanette Oak and Karen Kingsbury are actually like a 64 year old dude who's just writing
1: under both of those pen names. It's probably like a collection of 64-year-old dudes who like teach economics and just do this as like...
0: Dude, seriously, it's the same guys that wrote like you know moneyball or uh or uh freakonomics Freakonomics. that's the one i was trying to think of yeah yeah it's like steven dubner you know
1: they're just they're just toying with they're just toying with the evangelical christian females here's a market
0: bubble that i can exploit let's throw a bonnet on her and see what happens you know let's have a blacksmith and a school teacher and we'll we'll get there you know um yeah Uh, that's pretty genius so high end would be somebody like that, like a Jeanette Oak, a Jerry Jenkins.
1: Do you think he's gonna like High End for him would be like I, I not not in terms of his level, but like yeah. his preference, my guess would be like if he could get like Leif Anger yeah. to yeah. uh to do this, who who you can get access to. He's very he's he's a private dude, but like yeah. he's not he's not a He's not like he doesn't have like people you have to go through. He's just yeah. reclusive. Yeah. Dude, who's the who's
0: the highest-end blurb you ever got? Like, the blurb you're most proud of in
1: your career. Most proud of? I mean, here's the thing. I feel like growing up in the house that I did, I'm unimpressed with all the people other people think are famous. Yeah. You know? So, it, it doesn't feel like a thing to reach out to your famous reformed evangelical people. Sure. Um I've been turned down by those who I would have been excited about. Uh-huh. So, you know, Tim Keller shot me down a few times. Timmy K um, shot
0: you down. That's fascinating.
1: No, that's unfair. Tim Keller doesn't yeah. even know that I asked. Yeah, Tim yeah. Keller's people have shot me down multiple times. Sure, sure. Um, I think I asked for a Rick Warren endorsement and got shot down by his people. Rick. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, fishing, fishing, for, yeah. fishing for Marlin here. We're not going for like sea bass. So. <laughs>
0: exactly, dude.
1: Fishing for Marlin.
0: I love it. Dude, um, Kenny Mayne blurbed a book of mine at one point, um, ESPN Kenny Mayne, and it was not too long. It, it was like right around the time where I was stopping doing stuff for ESPN, but I was starting to do like Christian. He blurbed uh, The Reason for Sports, which was a, a Christian like essay book that I wrote about sports. I couldn't believe it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, The I see, and I would be – I've never even really considered trying to get endorsements from people who aren't in the sort of christian thinker world yeah you know so sort of getting out into the like who are prominent christians who who live other lives you know they're in broadcasting or in business or whatever yeah that's uh but i kind of feel like that's that's not my wheelhouse so i don't know yeah but that yeah doing that the sports ones are are pretty cool yeah for sure Um, all right i think we have time for one more question considering we've been going for 52 minutes at this (laughs) point uh and so, listeners, for those of you who sent in questions who we're not going to get to, we'll just have to do another episode. Yeah. Um. So Jeff McFadden, who is uh, he's he's uh, he works with Dwell Bible, another okay. longtime partner of ours, and wow. he's also a faithful listener of the show. Uh, Jeff McFadden asks, "Who could beat Furtick in a fight? Anyone?" And I don't know if he means like in the world or just from this show. So let's start with show and work our way out. Oh, dude, um, me for sure, man. I don't,
0: I don't see myself losing to verdict. Are you kidding me?
1: Yeah, I feel like he's a vanity muscles guy, but yeah. it'd be like if if you like kicked him in the shin, he'd keel over and act. He'd be he'd be like a professional soccer player. He went <laughs> down like he got hit by a sniper. He'd be a flopper. Yeah, he'd be a flopper. Yeah, absolutely. Like he, I I think he has anybody who spends that much time on their grooming. Uh huh.
0: I'm not afraid of that person
1: probably not a real tough aggressive fighter yeah, yeah um i also bet he has a glass jaw so yeah. Uh, yeah, a, a I think, square I think jaw like, lantern jaw but glass nonetheless yeah it just that just presents a nice big target though yeah um okay so How, what would what would be your fighting strategy oh, with man. steven Fike? is it just like yeah you know so you're in there you tap gloves Mm-hmm. And they're like ready fight. Do you just like go right at him, or do you kind of feel him out? Or like we're 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 talking boxing here, not yeah, like anything. yeah. And I did used to box, so I've I've got a little bit of like uh,
0: cachet in this world, I guess. But I I think I would go right at him like early career Tyson, and just try to and just overwhelm. You know, I I would I would get get him out of there soon because um, I think he would. I don't want to give him time to think about it. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to give him a chance to feel comfortable in there. So, um, so yeah, I think I would get right on, right on top of it and get him out of there
1: quick. Um, what do you think? Yeah. See, I have a, I have a feeling that, that uh, he would kind of like pause and try to like hype up the crowd mm-hmm. and you could just like sucker punch him while yeah, he's, you yeah. know, waving his gloves around and like trying to, he, he would treat it like it's a WWE yeah, right. thing where he's like standing up on the ropes. You just go up and like knock him down and then, yeah, such a yeah, performer, be- you know, it, it would be hard for him to stop performing. And uh yeah,
0: that would be that would be the opening that I would need to, you know, to to turn out the lights pretty quickly. Um now did, did he mean people on the show or did he mean like other pastors?
1: Well, let's let's break down some other pastors too. Yeah. I mean, there was another listener who was like, Well, I bet Robbie Gallaty could beat him, but Robbie Gallaty's like six seven, built like Furtick, but yeah. also used to train in MMA. Oh wow and so Yeah.
0: I don't know who that is, but he
1: sounds dangerous. He's a, he's a megachurch pastor here in the Nashville area. Okay. You know, and I wouldn't be surprised if he makes his way up the Southern Baptist officer ranks in the future, kind of a solid dude. He's, he's a, yeah, he's probably 40-ish. They're going to love you know, him, man. So
0: they're they They love anybody with backstory. You know what I mean? You throw a little interesting backstory oh. in there and it, it gets,
1: yeah. Well, his his you know, he's a, he's a former drug addict who was saved, out oh. of that. And oh. so, I mean, yeah, he's, he's got, he's got a lot going on. Dude, how is this Nashville guy not selling world. like 50,000 books already? Can he not write? I think it. Well, he he's he's making a niche in like the the discipleship curriculum for big churches camp. Got it. But then uh, he he doesn't have a distinct theological camp. Oh yeah. And so he's doing the all
0: things to all people thing right now.
1: Yeah. You you either have to be you know uh, like a leadership book guy, your Andy Stanley's of the world, Mm -hmm. or kind of a you know have a theological angle. And he. He doesn't. Yeah. And that I don't mean that as an insult. It's no, just no. kind of he he doesn't he doesn't claim a camp. See, I feel like a, a thing that can work in Nashville,
0: and I feel like I only know this because I know I know the Nashville area pretty well because it's a family. I feel like if you're the mega church pastor <clears throat> with a little bit of a backstory and you can entice like a little cadre of like famous or semi-famous people to come to your church, you're gonna get a lot of like. Jersey jumper types who just want to come and look at the famous people at your church. I feel like that's a thing that it really would only work in a couple of markets. And Nashville is one of those markets. You know what I mean? Like we, we we have enough famous people in Nashville who are also pseudo Christian or Christian that you can make that work. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think that's true. And it's, it's interesting because that even happens at like good churches, not just sort of like your, your big airbrush places Mm. where, you know, you get enough of these like, christian hymn writers and stuff at a place yeah. and people are like oh you i'm gonna go to the village chapel because there's a whole bunch of these artists there right, and stuff right. like that and of course it's called the village chapel uh-huh. um but yeah I, I think that's and then if you're the pastor of that church you have built in famous people endorsements yeah that's true dude
0: all you got to do you is know, like, like, all
1: of a sudden you're like, I got Keith and Kristen Getty. I got Sandra gosh. McCracken. I got, you know, just like run down your list of these different, like, and again, they're sort of in a camp, but like, yeah. that's the camp you're trying to sell books to. So. All the Marlin, dude. All
0: the Marlin in one place, you know? Yeah.
1: It's, it's like, a, I didn't know Marlin swam in schools, but here we are. Dare
0: to dream, man. Dare to dream. Well, one day when we start our, our podcasting empire, Piper, our, our podcast network, that'll be, that'll be us. Um, we'll, we'll do it. Uh, man, I would love to have a successful business. Doggone it. I want to fall like A backwards into like piles of cash like all my friends, you know? Let's let's make that happen.
1: Yeah, what what aspect of our souls do we have to forfeit to do that? Well, that's the question, dude. And that, that's that's our I'm really wondering what question. I'm willing to amputate.
0: Yeah. So theoretically, I mean not, not so theoretically, Silverdome will probably come out in a year or so. And I'm thinking like if people watch that and they like it, and I had the opportunity to write just a hot garbage, like Jerry Bruckheimer kind of movie that would bring me piles of cash, I would do it. Like I would I would do that in a heartbeat. So that's a that's a sellout scenario that I'm comfortable with. Um I'm trying to think of other sellout scenarios. See, I wouldn't be good at like I wouldn't <laughs> I know so little about business i wouldn't even know how to be like unethical as a slumlord you know what i mean I, I wouldn't know the first thing about it you know so i feel like that's off the table yeah i don't know man what do you think
1: yeah i i feel like the the areas that i could figure out how to be unethical mm-hmm. or slimy are more in the marketing side of things like yeah. again I think I could turn myself into an influencer of some kind, you know, yeah, like the self-promoting kind of person yeah. to the tune of, to the tune of significantly increased book sales. Yeah. But I also like to be able to lie down and sleep at night and not feel disgusting about myself. Yeah. Um. So I, I think that that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I could probably spin that into, to more, but that's not the same as starting a business. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's just sort of selling yourself. Yeah, Um, I think I could figure out the slumlord thing Yeah you probably could dude I mean it just I think the goal of a slumlord Is buy a property and spend no money On it and make money on it so if you can Rent it if you can rent it out and spend No money on it here's
0: Here's my problem as it pertains to business This is my Achilles heel I always want Whatever business idea I'm Pursuing or whatever I go in and I have Started companies like we started a Film company to make Silverdome Um, whatever, whatever I'm involved in, I want it to like, get me on a heart level. I have to believe in it. I have to be really excited about it. Whereas I don't have the mentality to just go like, Hey, there's a condemned building. I'll make it into really crappy apartments and rent them for like, you know, way over value and make a pile of cash. Like I'm just not that person. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't get excited about it the way that, I think certain people who are really good business people, they're like, whatever it is that can make me money, I'll buy it. I'll flip it. I'll do it. And those, those are the people that end up having like major cash. I'm not one. Yeah, of
1: Yeah. I, I, some people are just like, they are energized by the deal making. That's right. Yeah. That's, you right. know, and, and the, the transaction and the margin and whatever. Yeah. And I just, to me, those are always things that I look at it and I'm like, I get the value of those monetarily, but also they I'm I'm with you. Like I have to care about this thing to invest in it. And then those things are like the caboose. They just get dragged along. Like the money just gets dragged along, or in my case, doesn't get dragged along. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. Dude, I'll tell you exactly what's gonna happen if I get a little bit of money.
0: Let's say Silverdome does really well. You know, we make a huge distribution deal, I get a little bit of cash in my pocket. I'm totally gonna to invest in a minor league baseball team and then promptly lose all my money. That that's the arc. Like that's what's gonna Yeah, to- might
1: <laughs> might not be the best time to do that.
0: Yeah, exactly. In that there's not ever going to be minor league baseball again, probably.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I I think there's gonna be a lot of minor league baseball teams that uh that close their doors in the next year, year and a half, it seems I know, hope that's not the case, but I it hope seems it's not possible. Dude,
0: that's super depressing, but that's for sure what's gonna happen. Um, in addition to all of the rest of sports closing its doors indefinitely until we eradicate <laughs> all danger and disease from the face of the earth. No more sports. Um but anyway, Piper, this has been fun, man. These uh these questions have been really good. Speaking of sports, we should probably address the sports one in a the sports questions rather in a in a specific dedicated happy rant sports app, which we haven't done in a while.
1: Yeah, there was, there was some questions about the Titans. There was some questions about, I think, some minor league sports questions. There's some questions about, like, sports in the bubble predictions for, yeah. like, how the pandemic's going to ruin everything. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we've, uh, we've got some topics on the table from listeners. And so we can, yeah, we could, we could definitely do another episode.
0: Well, let's do one, man. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll confab off the air as to when that's going to be. But, Piper, we've done what we always do in this program uh, in that we've wandered to and fro throughout several topics, several great topics. Shout out to our fan base. Uh, we have the best fans in the in the world of podcasting. I'm convinced of that. Great people. Great questions. Uh, great show, Piper. And we will see you... Wait, no. I, I always want to sign it off like my other podcast. See, I'm rusty. Um, yeah. We've wandered it's... to and fro until
1: next time. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings.